Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Welcome to World Harvest Church Online. Congregation, I'm so glad to be with you. Ministry friends and partners, we're so glad to get to see you, at least through this avenue. And so I'm going to spend some time teaching this morning. And uh, before we go any further, though, let's pray. Father, I thank you for answers for those who are watching. I thank you for the revelation and the light of the word coming in to the hearts of the people. And I thank you, Father, that they're strengthened with might in their inner man. And as they take in the word, Father, that we purpose to not just be hearers, but to be doers of that which we hear. We thank you for the victory that is ours because of the word. We walk in that victory and we thank you for it. And everybody said, Amen. Uh, before we go any further, I just want to make a few quick announcements. Last, You'll remember last week we received an offering for what we call DM Day. And that's a Dufresne Ministries Day. That's something that every year we receive an offering. Uh, our congregation gives and many other congregations who are partners with this ministry or who are blessed by this ministry. And I want to give you the good report, World Harvest Church. And that is that you gave more this year than last year. So I'm so blessed to know that even though we're not assembled together in the same building, that you're still using your faith, you're still bringing your supply, and uh, you didn't use this opportunity to withhold. And so I appreciate that shows that the word is ta- has taken root and is doing a work. And you know, really, as we mature and grow in Christ, it keeps us constant, doesn't it? It keeps us the same that we're not fluctuating up and down with things that might be going on around us with different circumstances. So thank you, World Harvest Church. I so am am blessed by that. And uh, it's a blessing for us to be able to let you know that. Also, we want to let you know that um, normally we would be having four o'clock prayer today uh, with a, as a church family. And of course, due to all of the restrictions and things on California, that has been canceled. So if you want to, you can take that time to pray at home or, or whatever works for you. But we won't be assembling, of course, there at the church building. Uh, before we go any further, let's just go ahead and let's uh, have a time that we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. And uh, I want you to grab your Bible, if you would, and look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 17 and 18. And it reads this, Beware lest you say in your mind and heart, My power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. So evidently, God is going to use our hands to bring wealth to us. Uh, Your hands get involved. That means he'll bless the work of your hands, but he doesn't want you to think that it's only your hands that's producing. That it is, he's involved in it. His power and his might is involved. Now, looking at verse 18, it says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. Now, notice this wording, for it's he that gives thee power. Couldn't we say this? It's he that gives gives you the anointing. Did you know that as a member of the body of Christ, the anointing of God is on you to get wealth? But that word get... We don't want to, we don't want to confuse it. Uh, that word get means and carries the idea, the idea of producing wealth. It is he that gives you the power to produce wealth, not just receive wealth. And this is what I want to encourage you in that when we give tithes and offerings, and then we make our confessions, we release our faith because every time you give, you need to release your faith. But I don't want you to think that if I give and then I sit back and just make a confession that money will show up. No, he gives us the power to produce wealth. When we give our tithes and offerings, that that brings us into God's system and God's way of operating. But God's way of operating is that when you put your hand to something, and believe me, he'll direct you in what to put your hand to. Um, when you put your hand to something, it will produce for you in a way that it doesn't produce for those who are not tithers and givers. 
Now, I want you to understand that, like I said, just because you give tithes and offerings, you don't just sit back and wait for somebody to mail you money or that money's just going to show up. What's going to happen is God is going to bless uh, avenues into your life so that increase comes. And uh, when you give your tithes and offerings, basically you're you're saying, I have faith in this in God's system and I'm going to be a be participating in God's system. So I want you to see this, that God has avenues that he will use to increase you. Uh, some of the things that God said to me by his spirit several years ago, number one, he'll give you divine ideas that when you sow your tithes and offerings, be releasing your faith for divine ideas that God will give you that uh, that he will use as an avenue to bring wealth or for for your life to produce wealth. Another thing, open he'll open doors of financial opportunities. So opportunities will come along and you have to have the faith to take him up on those opportunities. Uh, you don't, he'll give you the opportunity, but if you decide to bypass that opportunity, that's your choice. But have your faith ready for when you see God present an opportunity to you financially, you take it. Another, another way that God will bring a harvest on our giving into our lives is that lost funds will be restored to us. But when God restores lost funds to us, they don't come back to us in the way they left. They come back in multiplied fashion. We can look at the life of Job and we can see that although he lost everything, within a matter of about nine months or so, God restored it back to him. But when it was restored, it came back in a different fashion. It came back double. So whenever you sow your tithes and offerings, you are connecting yourself to God's system. And God's system is that he will restore to you what was lost double. Now, I know some of you, uh, this, this time that we're in with the coronavirus and the corona, the coronas, coronavirus and all the restrictions that they have put out around us, some of you, it's, it possibly has affected your job, your business, your work hours, your paycheck, the number of hours you can work. I guarantee you that if you will keep being faithful to God's system of giving tithes and offerings, God will cause what was lost to you to come back to you in multiplied fashion. So I want you to release your faith for that. So I want you to understand that when this says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, that we're to remember it's the Lord thy God that he gives us power to produce wealth. I want you to know that there is an anointing on you. If you're born again, there is an anointing that God gives to his people to produce wealth. And so we need to make sure that we're using our faith so that we can receive of that anointing. So according to this scripture, it is our job to discover by the spirit what the divine ability is that he's given us to produce wealth. He'll give you a business idea. He'll give you uh, graces and talents upon your life that if you will employ them rightly, that they will cause, they will be an avenue that God can cause wealth and increase to come to you. So discover by the Holy Ghost. You know, the Holy Ghost will give you divine ideas. He'll tell you and direct you based on the, the, the abilities in your life that you can, uh, you can increase that by just uh, developing it, using your faith for it. And I want you to, I want you to understand God wants you to use your confessions. Confess that God is increasing you, but don't use confessions and then be inactive with your hands. He wants to bless what you set your hand to. So notice this, for those of you who are givers, I mean, you go out in the marketplace, God will increase you and things will come into your hands that won't come into somebody else's hands simply because you're a giver and you're using your faith. So I want you to remember that although you're, you're working a job or you own a business, uh, you have customers, I want you to know that God empowers all of that behind you, that it's not just something that you do by your own ability, that you had divine ability at work for you. So uh, right, right now, I want you to prepare to give. Right now, you can give online. You can give at our website. Uh, I believe on Facebook, there's a, there's a way that you can give. There's also the text to give. 
that you can uh, text to give. And when you do that, use the code WHC, and that means that that will go right into the church account with your tithes and offerings. Then, of course, you can mail that in. So whatever works for you the easiest, we want you to do that. And uh, while you're doing that, release your faith. This, uh, this morning as a family, release your faith. Don't just, you know, don't just uh, push the button to give online without releasing your faith. Release your faith at the same time. So right now, I want to pray with you as you prepare to give. Father, I thank you that you have a divine plan for every believer's prosperity. We release our faith for that. We believe your word that you give us the power to produce wealth. And Father, as we bring our tithes and offerings, we come into your system of prosperity. And that way you can cause what we set our hand to to be increased and multiplied in a divine way. We believe you, Father, for divine ideas. We believe you for open doors of financial opportunities. We believe you for lost funds restored in multiplied fashion. And we release our faith together and we declare together that my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And everybody said, amen. So I believe uh, with you for a divine increase to come uh, as you give today. Now, in preparing and waiting before God to see basically uh, what direction I should go for this service this morning, all that he keeps bringing back to me are the couple of sermons that he gave me right before all this coronavirus thing even became public and it became, you know, became such a, a publicized event. And <clears throat> so last week, one of the things he told me was to remind you that you are to answer your need with what God says to you. God told us that we have an inheritance and that in that evil day and in the day of famine, that we have an inheritance that isn't fluctuating based on the day we're in. So what we need to do is we need to talk to our need about what God said. That means in, the, in a day of difficulty, in a day when it looks like there's not enough, you say, no, I have an inheritance. Repeat the word, quote the word, and answer your need with what God says to you. So that's one of the things that God gave us as a congregation even before all of this epidemic broke out. But in today's message, what he reminded me of that he wanted me to go back and talk to you about, and I'll begin with Psalms chapter 27 and verse 11. Now, the reason he's having me, because I've already preached this in the church, but I know this, full faith does not come with one hearing. So God was impressing upon me to repeat again what he told us as a congregation. And this is what he told me uh, to, to go with this morning in the service. So Psalms 27 verse 11 and the King James translation says this, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Now the Amplified says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain and even path because of my enemies those who lie in wait for me. So this is a message that God began to give us before this epidemic was, uh, was, was really considered widespread. I want you to notice the first phrase, teach me thy way, O Lord. Even in this time when there's such a, a restrictions, God still has a way. And it says, teach me thy way, O Lord. And it's, it matters that we are thinking his way, speaking his way, acting his way, and not the way of the epidemic, not the way of the coronavirus, not the way of what the way the general public is going. Because God has a way for us to respond and we need to, we need to know that way and we need to say, wait a minute. In my local church, I've been taught that way, and I'm not going to lay down God's way of doing, God's way of thinking, God's way of speaking, God's way of behaving based on what is going on with the ways of other people and the ways of the world. So God's ways always work. So stay with God's ways, and God teaches us His ways. 
And then notice this, it says, uh, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. And then he says, why? Because of my enemies. Notice this, there's enemies around that have a different way of operating. The enemy wants to pull you into his way, but you stay with God's way. And if you're part of World Harvest Church, you've been taught and you are being taught God's way. So don't lay down what you've been taught. The enemy would love for you to step off course and come onto his path and his way of doing things. And especially when the news is so full of a different way today, uh, it's so full of uh, ways of struggle and ways of difficulty. Stay with God's way. Now, uh, the Amplified says, and I want to read it again, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain and even path because of my enemies, those who lie in wait for me. Now, see, God is all-knowing, but the devil and demons and evil spirits are not all-knowing. They don't know everything. In fact, demons will only know what you show them. If you show them a fearful way, then they'll know that you're fearful. If you show them a faith way, because they're observing us. Evil spirits are observing us. And not because we're giving them credibility, but because they're present. You know, in, in uh, Psalm 23 and verse 5, it says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. So notice this. Yes, the devil's present on the earth, but just because they're present doesn't mean that they're dominating you or that they're in control of your life. They're just present and they're observing because they're looking for an opportunity to attack you. They're looking for an open door of entrance into your life. And so here in Psalms 27, it says, Lord, teach me your way. Why? Because when I go God's way, the devil doesn't have an open door of access to my life. When I stay on God's path and I follow his plan, then the devil cannot gain entrance into my life. But yes, the devil is, he's present. Evil spirits are present to observe and watch you. They want to observe if you respond in fear, then they're going to do things and put things in your way that's going to feed that fear. They're going to suggest things to you that are going to feed that fear. I mean, if someone is, if we could say it this way, if they're a gossip, the devils observe that. And so they will feed you all kinds of things to keep you in that flow. And so know this, that while, especially in a season like this that we're facing, you show, the, you show the devil, you give him something to watch. Have him watch your faith. Have him to watch your generosity. Have him to watch you rejoicing. Have him to watch you believing God. Because they're observing. Give them something they don't want to see. Don't give them something that gives them access to, to as an open door to your life. Now... Um, I want you to turn with me, if you would, Saw, excuse me, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 28. Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. And it says this, the King James says, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition. That word perdition means doom but to you of salvation and that of God. The Amplified says, do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. For such constancy and fearlessness on your part will be a clear sign and a proof to them of their impending destruction. And your fearlessness will be a sign to you of your deliverance and your salvation. That's going to come from God. And so it's letting us know that there's going to be times that, that fear is going to show up. And it's going to try to intimidate you. It's going to try to frighten you. But here, Paul is writing and he says, don't for a moment show any kind of fear. Show any kind of in intimidation by your opponents, by your adversaries, those who attack you. Now, I want to remind you that, of course, Paul wrote this, but I want to remind you where he was when he wrote this. He was sitting in prison. Now, you can imagine 
how dark that place was. You can imagine fear is tangible in that setting. Fear can be felt. Fear is not a, fear is beyond a feeling. Fear is a spirit. And you know that that spirit of fear has its way in a place that Paul was in. But notice right while he was sitting in prison, he makes these wonderful statements to us. Do not for a moment be frightened. Think of that. He's letting us know that he refused to allow even for a moment fear to come in. Well, he also wrote and told us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, neither give place to the devil. So we know this, that if we get into fear, we're giving place to the devil. We're giving him an open door. We're giving, giving him access to our lives. And so if we open the door even for a moment, the devil only needs a moment to get in. He doesn't need a full day. He doesn't need a full week. He just needs a moment to get in. And that's why Paul says, do not for a moment be intimidated or fearful by your opponents or your adversaries. Because uh, if you if you let them in, uh, they, they get access to your life. But you know, it, it, Paul said, neither give place to the devil. Notice this, the devil can't take a place unless you give him a place. And I want to remind you, the devil cannot do to you anything he wants anytime he wants to. If he could, why would he have to deceive you first? If he could do anything he wanted, why would he have to get you speaking wrong or thinking wrong by bringing wrong suggestions to you? He tries to get you thinking wrong, speaking wrong, behaving wrong, because then that's the only way he can work his plan. But when you don't think wrong, when you think in line with the word, when you think in line with the way that the Lord has taught, when you behave in line with the word, when you're a doer of the word, then what happens, the devil can't get in no matter what plan he has prepared against your life. And so Paul is reminding us, do not for a moment. So a moment of fear is wrong. A moment of fear is not to be tolerated. And the thing is, is that so many times people don't realize that they're operating by fear. Some are running their households based on fear. They're, they're raising their children based on fear. They're handling their finances based on fear. And I would want for you to ask the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, help me to recognize any place that I'm responding based on fear. Because sometimes people have had ways of fear in their life for their whole life. I mean, from the time they were little, uh, parents can teach them ways of fear. Parents can teach them words of fear. And um, sometimes because people live with it their whole life, they don't even recognize that it is part of their life. But the Holy Ghost will show that to you if you'll ask him to. Now, I want you to know something. What we read in Psalms 27, it says, Teach me your way, O Lord, for uh, because there are enemies that are observing me. Notice this. As I said, the devil cannot read your mind. But I do want you to know he can read your countenance. He can look on your face and see if there's fear on your face because fear becomes visible. Uh, but he can also see if faith is visible. And I want you to know that you need to make sure that not only your words are faith words, but your countenance has a faith look to it. That means don't get up depressed in the morning. That means don't get up speaking words of depression or having a depressed or, or heavy burdened down way about you because evil spirits see that kind of behavior. And when they see that behavior, they will, if I can say this dog pile on that. And so whenever you refuse for even a moment to show anything but faith, they know they can't get an entrance. They don't have access. I remember that a testimony that Pastor John Osteen told years and years ago that God allowed him for a time to see he had this vision and in this vision he was watching evil spirits in a group walk down a particular street uh, where homes were. It was a residential area. 
And as these evil spirits were going down the street, there, uh, one of these, if I could say this, one of these demons that was more of a ruler over the other ones, he would assign certain demons, you go into that household. And he, as they walked down further and passed another home, he would, that evil spirit would tell the demons under him, you go into that household. And he was basically positioning and stationing demons and commissioning them into certain households. And they came up and as they were walking down the street, they came up on one home and that evil spirit and all the demons stopped in the middle road. And that demon said, don't ever go into that home. He said, they will not ever let you in. And so I want you to know there are demons that watch. And I'm not to make you devil conscious, but I want you to be faith conscious that it matters that your expression and your words uh, show faith because the devil's observing. And if he sees fear, I mean, he's going to run to it. You know, when you have a, a wounded animal, I mean, animals of prey are going to prey upon that wounded animal because they see a weakness in them. And it's the same thing with the enemy. He's observing you because he's looking for weakness. And that's why Paul said, do not for a moment show fear. Don't be intimidated by any, by your adversary, by anything, because what you're doing is you're letting the devil know where there's an access that he can gain in your life. Run every trace of fear out of your life. And uh, whenever you sense fear, because I mean, we're all at different times, that spirit of fear tries to come to all of us and you can feel that fear when it's present, but just because you feel it doesn't mean it's yours. And so whenever you sense it, you speak to it, say, fear, I resist you. I'll not take that fearful thought. I'll not speak those fearful words. Those thoughts, those thoughts aren't my thoughts. You have to answer fear. You have authority over it and you tell fear to leave. Don't repeat the thoughts of fear after it, but you resist those words. Amen. So whenever you face circumstances of fear and you refuse to allow fear in, it is the word says it is a sign to the devil that he's doomed. It's a sign that he has no entrance, no access to you. But whenever you show faith, it is evidence and proof that your salvation is working for you. So I want you to know fear for even a moment is wrong because we are to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And it doesn't matter what's going on uh, with, the, with the circumstances around us, with the, with the nation, with the economy. Faith is our lifestyle, and we're not to back off of that, but we're to, we're to stand firm in that flow of faith. I remember uh, hearing the testimony years ago of a, a man. Uh, I don't even know if he was a Christian at the time, but he was a billionaire, and he hit upon some hard financial times. And uh, when you start dealing with such large amounts of money, when a lot of times when when these uh, businessmen have large amounts of money that they can lose large amounts very quickly and this one billionaire was on the verge of losing everything and uh i mean it was uh, he was under a lot of pressure for a lot of time the, the media was following him they were reporting on his company and the bankruptcies and the different things that were going on with his different companies and he was able to turn that around. And now he's got more money than ever, has more influence than he ever had before. But one of the things he said whenever he faced that, he said, you can never let your enemy see you sweat. Because he had to go face bankers. He had to face lawyers. He had to face all kinds of legal people. And he said, for a moment, I could not let any fear on my face because he said, if they saw fear on my face and they know that they could, that I would have lost. But he said, I would not allow for a moment for them to see fear on my face. And he was able to turn that around because he was confident. He refused to just bow down to the circumstances he was facing. Well, the devil's the same way. If he can see fear on your face, then he knows if I could say this, he'll dogpile on you. And if I could say this, because Satan is a defeated foe, we have to understand that. We have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. So anytime you find Christians that are in bondage to fear, 
if they're in bondage to doubt or anything like that, the root of it is an unrenewed mind. It's not that the devil is the problem. It's not thinking right. You know, the word says that my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Demons are not the reason Christians are destroyed. It's because people don't have knowledge of what belongs to them. When you renew your mind, that you have authority over the spirit of fear. And that spirit of fear, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. So when you resist it, then you're walking in your authority and you're walking in the knowledge that the word gives you. So any Christian who is in bondage, whether it's to fear, whether it's to doubt, whatever it is, they're not in bondage to the devil. They're in bondage to an unrenewed mind. So the key is renew your mind, feed your, feed your thoughts on the word of God, speak the word of God, take in the word of God to your heart. The unrenewed, the renewed mind doesn't respond in fear. The unrenewed mind will respond in fear. So any area, any arena that you might see fear trying to get a, a foothold in your life, now you know you need to renew your mind in that arena. Now, for example, you can have faith in, uh, let's say, in Jesus as your healer, but then people, that same person can have a measure of fear regarding their finances or regarding their children or they're losing control of things, you know, and they start worrying over things. Anything you're worried about, anything you're uh, fearful about, now you've diagnosed the, the places where you need to renew your mind in those arenas because the renewed mind is not fearful. The renewed mind is not worried. And so when you see worry and fear trying to get a foothold, just know that you've just diagnosed where you need to further renew your mind. Another thing, I was listening to one precious woman. She's gone home to be with the Lord, but... Uh, she was so strong in faith. And one of the things she said is people quit too soon. Don't quit. When you take your stand against wrong, when you take your stand against fear, when you take your, your stand against lack, don't quit. Even, you know, you might not see instant change, but the thing is the just shall live by faith. We're not going to go to a different way of living. We're not going to go to a different version of life. We're going to stay in faith. And so she was saying so many times people quit too soon. Don't quit on your faith. Don't quit on believing God for the payoff of your home and for your job to increase. And it doesn't matter what you see happen with the economy in your job. Things, things will turn. Don't quit on things. And the, it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Be not weary, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. And so we have to realize that we just don't give up. I remember um, sometime back there were, sim there were symptoms that were in my body that I was dealing with, and I was taking a stand against those. And one night... They had, uh, in, my, in taking a stand against them, those symptoms had greatly subsided. Uh, they weren't completely gone, but they had greatly subsided to where they didn't trouble me at all. And uh, one night I went to sleep and I had a dream. And in this dream, I was laying on a green lawn, just like in someone's backyard. And I was just laying flat on the grass and looking up at the sky. And all of a sudden... I sensed something coming near me, and so I turned my head to the left, and when I did, I saw the head of a serpent coming right toward me. But he wasn't at a distance. He wasn't 10 feet away or 20 feet away. He was within about six inches of my face. When I turned there, he was right there, virtually nose to nose with me, and it wasn't a regular snake size. His head was about a foot wide. So when I turned, his head was wider than my head and his mouth was open coming at me. And for a flash of a moment, it seemed as though he, he would put his mouth over my face, but he didn't in the dream. He went up over and he put his mouth over my head. I knew that that meant he was attacking my mind. 
And so whenever he, he leapt in just a fraction of a moment and went on top of my head and clamped down on my head, the moment he did that, I was lifted up out of my body and I was able to see him from a different view. And when I saw that serpent, because the size of his head being about a foot wide, you can imagine how long I thought his body was to accommodate that size of a head. But when I saw myself uh, being pulled up over to where I was looking down upon the serpent now, his body was maybe about 10 inches long and he was torn, the, the, he, his head was torn away from his body. And I don't just mean cut off from his body. I mean, it, it was shattered. I mean, the edges and the flesh of him was jagged like someone had ripped and destroyed him. So God was letting me see, even though the thoughts come to the mind, it's a defeated foe that has been stripped. He's been destroyed. And that's the one who's bringing those thoughts to your life. And God was letting me know you're going to have to, you're going to have to stand your ground. But I want you to remember he is already a defeated foe. Fear is a defeated foe. Doubt is a defeated foe. Anything that's against the word of God is a defeated foe. I was telling this story about one of a friend of mine, and uh, it, it's kind of comical, but it certainly shows and demonstrates what I'm talking about. When I would ride in the car with this friend of mine, she would drive with pulling, she'd always pull toward the right side of the lane. So you know how they'll have bumps on the freeway uh, that will help you stay in your lane that you know if you're hitting those bumps that you're on the line and you've got to get back up in your lane. So when she would drive, you would feel those bumps along the right side of the car because she would always pull toward the right. And so I would tell her, I says, you need to center up, sister. You're, you're, you're getting my, it's my side that's close to this other lane of traffic. It's not your side. It's my side. You need to center yourself up. And she would say, no, I'm in the center. I said, no, you aren't. Can't you hear those bumps? Can't you feel those bumps? You're out. You're not centered up in your lane. And so she would laugh and I would laugh. And she said, you know, my mom used to tell me all the time when I was driving that I'd pull to the right. And I said, well, your mama was right. And her mama is in heaven now. So, so I said, when you get to heaven, you better repent your mama for, for, for leaving her on the right side of that lane because she was right. You do drive that way. So then she would start centering up. And after a few moments, she would drift right back to the right side of that lane. And I'd say, sister, center up. And so we would have that conversation all through the driving course, you know, when we were driving somewhere. And, uh, you know, we had fun with it. But... Uh, anytime that we would be driving and there would be construction that would be uh, done on that highway. And you know how when they're doing construction and they'll put up these uh, short concrete walls to help uh, align the traffic. And so if they're doing uh, repair work or construction work on your lane, sometimes you don't just get a, a, a concrete wall on one side of your lane. You can have it on each side. So there would be times when we would, we would be driving through construction zones and when she would see those concrete walls come in on her lane, she'd go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I tell, sister, there's no faith in that. <laughs> so we would laugh, but I mean, you could see her go tense and she would start driving and everything about her countenance would change because she would see those concrete walls coming in on her lane and I would just laugh because you would see her tense up and she would just put the granny grip you know on that steering wheel <laughs> so so I would and I would I would have to talk her down so to speak I would say sister listen even though there's our construction wall on each side of you your lane is still the same they did not they did not uh, shorten your lane. You have every bit as much width as you always have. I said, the reason you're afraid of these construction walls is because you drive to the right of your lane. Now, if you'll just center up and you'll stay away from those walls, don't be concerned about those walls. And so I said to her, I said, let me ask you this. When you're driving down the lane 
and you see these construction walls on either side of your lane, what are you looking at? She said, I'm looking at the wall. I said, that's why you're driving toward the wall because you're looking at it. Don't look at the wall. I said, look at the center of your lane. Ignore the walls because the walls are not even infringing on your lane. If you'll just center up and you will keep your view right down the center of that lane, you'll stay in the center and no matter what comes up to your lane, it's not coming into your lane. And I want you to know it's the same thing. Fear might come up to the lane of your life. Worry might come up to the lane of your life. All the threats that you're hearing that's being so publicized on the media, and I don't make light of it, but all of these things that are being so publicized, even though they may come around your lane, they are not in your lane. If you'll center up and don't veer out of your lane, to fear is to veer out of your lane. To worry is to veer out of your lane. To, uh, if I could say this, to get into arguments with your, with your family members over, you know, the different pressures that you may be facing. All of that is a veering out of your lane. Center back up in your lane. Cause you know what your lane is? It's the victory lane. In your lane is provision. In your lane is healing. In your lane is the wisdom. In your lane is the leading of the Spirit. In your lane is everything you need for this time to be a complete and total success. Center up in the lane. Don't veer towards the walls that come in around your lane. Anything outside of your lane does not pertain to you. Just stay in your lane. And this is what Paul was saying. Do not for a moment be intimidated by your adversary. He knew this. You're going to see your adversary. You're going to feel things from your adversary. But they're not in your lane. Don't look at the walls. Don't look at the opposition. Don't look at the threats. Don't put your attention on fear. Don't put your attention on what am I going to do financially? Oh my gosh, they cut back our work hours. What you're going to do is you're going to say, "In my, I'm going to stay in the lane. What lane is it? Well, remember what we first read in Psalms 27 verse 11? Teach me thy way, O Lord. Stay in his way. Stay in the way of the word. Speak the word. Believe the word. Confess the word. That's the lane to stay in. Do you know when all the... When all the uh, media coverage on the coronavirus and all that started up, do you know that none of that had anything to do with your lane? That everything that's in your lane before the coronavirus is still in your lane. Healing is still in your lane. Victory is still in your lane. Everything you need for total success is still in your lane. Don't be intimidated by the walls. Don't be intimidated by the construction walls you you see coming in. Don't be intimidated by fear. Don't be intimidated by reports of media. Don't be intimidated by what fellow co-workers may be saying on the job or what neighbors may be discussing. You keep your conversation in the lane of faith. You keep your conversation in the lane of victory. You talk about your health that your health comes from God. The life of God is flowing in you. You talk about that the supply of God for your life has not changed. I don't care how close those construction walls come in on your lane. They are not your supply and they are not what you're to, to have your attention on. Keep Just center up. Put your eye on the center of your lane, and as you do, it will help you drive your life right down the center of God's best for you. I want you to know you are redeemed from fear in every sense of the word. So since we're redeemed, all that's left for us is rejoicing. All that's left for us is praising. So when fear tries to come, you address it. You resist it. You rebuke it. Say, fear, I resist you. You don't belong to me. You're not in my lane, and I refuse to get in your lane. And as you do, then you just start rejoicing and you start praising. When the devil threatens you with what are you going to do financially with all the the changes in the economy and maybe the changes with your own income, you just say, I don't care what walls have come in on my lane. I'm not veering out of my lane of provision. There is complete supply in the lane of provision that God has for my life. 
you just keep seeing and speaking and meditating on the right thoughts. And that that's how you stay centered up in your lane. Amen. And so these are things that God said to us even before the coronavirus report showed up. Why did he do that? Because he was giving us our answer before the problem ever came to the surface. Don't lay down your answer. This is your answer for getting to the other side of any situation that you may be facing in your life. The word is the answer. Stay with the word. Amen. I want to pray right now uh, for you. Uh, just reach your hands out toward this toward the camera, reach your hands out, out toward your computer, your television screen, whatever you're watching. Father, I thank you for the victory that is ours. Father, we choose to hear what you say. We thank you that you have taught us your way. You're still teaching us your way. You're still showing us your path. Your path is the victory path. And Father, I thank you for helping each and every one that's watching this to help them stay centered up in the lane of victory, centered up in their inheritance, centered up in their health, centered up in their provision, to not veer through their thought life, not veer through fear into a lane that is not their lane. We stay in our lane. We refuse any other lane. And we, we thank you, Father, that we have divine help. And Father, if there's anyone out there watching, who needs healing in their body right now. Father, you said pray one for another that you may be healed. So I pray for them in Jesus' name. And I encourage anyone needing healing, release your faith right now. And I pray for the power of God. The power of God is present right there in that room where you're at. The power of God is present everywhere because the Holy Ghost is present everywhere. Right now, you can receive freedom from pain, freedom from sickness, disease, symptoms. And so I speak for you to be healed in Jesus' name. And now all you need to do is say, I receive that. I receive that healing power into my body right now. And I thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. And, you know, I want to pray one other thing. Because uh, let's pray as a church family. Let's pray as the body of Christ to deal with the coronavirus. Because I tell you, Although so many of us, we're not fearful because we know what we believe and that word anchors us. There's a lot of people that are suffering right now because they don't know what we know. So, Father, we pray for all we pray regarding this coronavirus. Father, you said that you have given to your children the authority to bind and to loose and we bind the power of that virus in Jesus' name. We loose the power of God. We loose the healing power of God. And we say, Satan, you cannot work your plan in Jesus' name. We have another plan we're living by, and it's the plan of health. And we thank you, Father, for healing power flowing. Father, we also lift up every single believer, every single person affected financially. And we believe, first of all, for the economic situation of our nation. We thank you, Father, for restoring the economy to of this nation and not only restoring it, causing it to increase in Jesus' name. And Father, that the body of Christ, anything that would look like it's lost, we thank you that it's restored. We thank you for restoring that and causing increase to come. And Father, any believer where it looks like something has been lost from their life financially. I believe for you to restore to them and not only just restore it, but it comes back in multiplied form in Jesus name. Hallelujah. You know, I want to remind you that God told Isaac that when famine showed up in his land, God told him, so right now in the time of famine. And he did. And in that same year of famine, he received a hundredfold. I tell you, he received in famine what was impossible to receive. I believe God for the impossible to be increased into your life in Jesus' name. What is impossible to others is completely possible with God. So don't just resign yourself to what's going on in the economy or to any economic thing. Release your faith for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, there's one last thing that I want to invite you to participate with me in. 
those of you who are members of World Harvest Church, you know that in our services, we generally receive two offerings every service. The first one is our regular tithes and offerings. But we're always, uh, we've always got different projects and things that we're doing in the church. And uh, so we always have certain financial needs that arise to support and help fund those. And you say, well, is that right? Well, the Word says that we're to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. And since we're always abounding in the work of the Lord, then that means that we're always sowing. And so we want to receive our second offering for today for a very particular uh, project, and that is Vacation Bible School. And every summer, our staff does a vacation Bible school. And the kids that come, we have so many kids that come, so many that get born again, and their lives are ministered to. And for a week or so, uh, they have these the vacation Bible school there at the church. And the kids so look forward to it. And I tell you, God meets them in very particular ways. And we get life-changing testimonies back from those kids. So right now, our staff is planning and preparing for vacation Bible school. Usually, I haven't heard from the staff what the budget or the financial needs for that are. But usually, it's somewhere around in the in the family of $7,000, somewhere around in that. And so we want to start now preparing for that Vacation Bible School. So right now, I'm going to ask you if you would prepare to give towards that because you're sowing into your children. We're sowing into the future. You know, whenever we go to the voting polls, we recently had a, a vote here in California and they were on, on the ballot was about funding for the school systems. Well, you know, People voted, of course, wholeheartedly for the schools to receive the funding they need. Well, I appreciate what they do, but I tell you what, the, the, the spiritual education we're giving our kids is so worth the funding that we can give them. And so we want to be a part of funding what they're doing and the spiritual education that we're giving our kids through this Vacation Bible School. So right now you can give online. Um, you can do a text to give. And the code for that is going to be VBS for Vacation Bible School. So if you're giving text to give, the code again is VBS. Again, you can mail that in if you would like, but be a part of it. Um, just because we're not congregated together doesn't mean that we're not in unity in this. And so we invite you to be a part of that. And uh, we believe for life-changing things to happen for our children because we're sowing into the next generation. I want to thank you for joining me today. I love being with you. I look forward to the time I get to see your face in person and know this, that the Dufresne family loves you. I love you, Pastor Morgan, uh, Stephen and Grant and all the Dufresne family. We love you. We care about you. We pray for you. Uh, you can give us any prayer requests. Go online and you can fill out any prayer requests you may have. But we also want to hear testimonies of what God is doing for you during this time because we love to, to read those and share those. And so we want you to know we love you. We look forward to the next time we get to see you soon. Otherwise, we'll see you again Tuesday night with World Harvest Church Online. God bless you. Love you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.